Hello and welcome to the Irish Writers Podcast. Maury here. This week I'm going to share with you an interview I did with author Catherine Coleman. She writes historical fiction set in the Regency period and we just had a great natter about her books, about writing, but writing historical fiction and all the things around that. So I hope you enjoy. My name is Catherine Coleman and I write historical fiction set in the extended Regency period in England. The official regency went from 1811 to 1820. That was the time when the eldest son of George III, the later King George IV, was Prince Regent because of his father's illness. But the extended regency is take generally taken to be roughly from 1795 when George IV and the Prince Regent got married to... 1837 when his successor William IV died and Victoria came to the throne. So I suppose that's a time period that would be familiar to a lot of readers of Austen exactly. or Tolstoy or yes. that kind of thing. Yes. So so why do you why did you choose to write historical fiction? What's appealing to you about it? I think this particular period is fascinating because it sets the really sets the tone, if you like, and the foundation of our modern world. Mm -hmm. It is a period that I can still relate to. When I look, for example, at the Act of Union in 1800, Mm -hmm. we live every day with the consequences of that here in Ireland. The um, uh, war between England and America in 1812, if that had gone differently, if England had won, would America have become as strong? Yeah, yeah. Could again be completely different. Would there have been the whole expansion to the West that happened later in the um during the course of the nineteenth century? Or would the USA have stayed more on the east coast mm-hmm. into the centre of America? You have the Napoleonic Wars, which really ran from eighteen oh three until eighteen fifteen and England was at war with France, it's revolutionary France before that. But again, take the Battle of Waterloo. The Duke of Wellington says it was a damned close on thing. Yeah. If it had gone the other way, would England have got the power that she had afterwards mm-hmm. in the 19th century? So all of these affect our worlds, our modern world today. When you To that you add the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. It was the very, very beginning of the Age of Steam. Mm-hmm. But it was still essentially horsepower and sail. Yeah. yeah? Um the beginning of electoral reform uh, where the vote was extended, the franchise was extended. Now, it was extended in quite a limited way. Mm -hmm. In 1832, with the um, Great Reformation Act, five Englishmen, and I say deliberately Englishmen, because of course it was only men, five Englishmen um, in uh, a thousand had the vote. Mm -hmm eight Scotsmen and 20 Irishmen. Mm -hmm. So uh, you see again, you know, that even then they were still rigging the the property requirements, for example, to try and manage the franchise still in favour of the great landowners, Mm -hmm. even though they had got rid of a lot of the rotten boroughs. But it was still an an enormous change, really. It was was an enormous change. Catholic emancipation, which, you know, for us is so hugely important here in Ireland. 
But in England, the Premier Duke, the Duke of Norfolk, they, the Dukes of Norfolk, they remain Catholic. Mm -hmm. And from the beginning of the penal laws until 1829, they were never able to take their seats in the House of Lords yeah. without perjuring themselves, essentially. Yeah. And it was only after Catholic emancipation that you had Quaker emancipation and a good bit later, Jewish emancipation, where a form of oath was devised so the members of those religions mm -hmm. could take seats in the House of, Lord, of Lords uh, or the House of Commons, again, without parenting their faith. Yeah. And I think it was even later that the possibility of not taking an oath, mm -hmm. of making a declaration was mm -hmm. there for the people who felt... And this is actually something that we have here today. You, you know that your humanists, for example, mm -hmm. say they should not be required to take oaths. Yeah. They should be able to make a declaration. Mm -hmm. So they're all things that are still very relevant. Yeah. Um, then as well as that, going back to Jane Austen, it was a time, again, very much influenced by the French Revolution, mm -hmm. where clothes changed enormously. Yeah. The Empire Line, people still wear the Empire yeah. Line today. Yeah. They don't go around in crinolines mm -hmm. and they don't go around in hoops. And, you know, the most formal male evening dress, the white tie and tails, goes directly back to that period, yeah. which was actually based on the riding dress of yeah. the time because that was comfortable, more comfortable for the men than the satins and silks mm. and knee breeches and stiffened yeah. skirts. So it's just this whole thing is so interesting. So I with, could go on forever. I'm sure you've got it. And it's fascinating. Right? Well, but with all this big, yeah. big historical change, big social movements, all those things, how do you then find stories to tell? That, you know, how do you find the, the path that you want to tell in a book in this massive context? Well, my stories generally start with a what if. Mm -hmm. or a what then okay. I would always be the sort of person who wants to know what happened after Elizabeth married Darcy Yeah. now I would not be the sort of person who goes in and writes a sequel to Pride and Prejudice mm -hmm. I like to have my own characters Yeah. but I often wonder you know what happens after the happy end Yeah. yeah. so many books finish with the happy end really, but yeah. then you know real life hits and then as well as that, you have a lot of the conventional, especially in Regency tropes, I suppose you would call them, you know, like you have the marriage of convenience, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You have the girl being swept off her feet. And I say to myself, but supposing that didn't work out, <laughs> you know, yeah. supposing somebody goes into a marriage of convenience and love doesn't come, what happens yeah. then? Yeah. So that is part of it. Then you might get... I've published three books so far. The first was The Murmur of Masks, the second Perception and Delusion, and the third that is just out now is A Suggestion of Scandal. The Murmur of Masks, even though it was published first, was written second, mm -hmm. and it was prompted by a one-line throwaway sentence in Perception and Delusion. There's a pivotal scene in Perception and Delusion that takes place at a famous masquerade, a mm -hmm. real masquerade that was held on the 1st of July, 1814, to celebrate victory over Napoleon. And it was by members of Waitier's Club in Burlington House in London. 2,000 people were there. Byron were, was at it. Um, Harriet Wilson, the courtesan, describes it hugely in her memoirs. So I have my characters yeah. go to this. And one of them, she's newly married, 
and it's a group of women are going because they're all masked. Nobody knows who they are, but she is going home at midnight. She's mm -hmm. not going to stay. And an older woman, older in this context, you know, so she's like 30. Exactly, yes. <laughs> um, you know, she is going to make sure that she gets to the carriage. And mm -hmm. as they walk to the carriage, the younger one says, are you coming too? And the older woman says, no, I think I'll stay. Mm -hmm. Now, when I wrote that line, I had no idea that an entire book was going to come of yeah. it. But I had to know what happened mm -hmm. when she stayed. Obviously, there was something. Something was there. Mm -hmm. was going to happen. Yeah. What happened? And that gave me a whole book. So, so I, you, you find a, a kind of personal, characterful story yes. in this context. In then. this context. While a suggestion of scandal was actually based on a real a real divorce mm -hmm. case, a real scandal of the time. Yeah. Again, it was 1815 and a governess on a Sunday morning when the rest of the household were at church, yeah. went into the sitting room of the lady of the house and discovered her in a very compromising situation mm -hmm. with her lover. Now, this led to the wife being banished yeah. and to the very, very complicated divorce case mm -hmm. cases that were required at the time which finished with the husband having to have a private bill passed in both houses mm -hmm. of parliament so that the marriage was dissolved and he was allowed to remarry. Mm -hmm. Now, she wasn't, or at least the couple, the guilty couple were not allowed to remarry. Mm -hmm. That was part of the thing. But I said to myself, supposing this hadn't happened in the house, supposing it had happened somewhere else, supposing the governess was the only witness, mm -hmm. what would they do? What risk is she at now? Yeah. So that was what triggered this. Yeah. Because fake news and gossip and mm -hmm. scandal is not a modern invention. Yeah. And uh, they didn't have email and they didn't have Facebook, but my goodness, did they write letters, you know, yes. non-stop. They had a very uh, liberated press, if you mm -hmm. like, and they also had what were called the print shops, which were literally that where they published loads of prints mm -hmm. and hand-coloured engravings. If you look around here in the walls, yeah. now you'll see a lot of them. Now, these are all nice, interesting ones, but they could be vicious cartoons mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. So that if um, a case of a governess walking in on mm -hmm. somebody, you know, she could be caricatured and yeah. all she the would, rest she of She could be ruined as she well. She could be ruined yeah. as well, exactly. That's why the whole thing is the suggestion of scandal. Yeah. That a suggestion of scandal would be enough to ruin her. So it's how is she going to get out of this and how will her life be afterwards? Yeah. So that is where I find it. The challenge, one of the challenges is, there are two challenges. Really. One is presenting this world, mm -hmm. which I love, yeah. to the modern reader. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there are a lot of people, as you say, who love Jane Austen. Yeah. Uh, or they've seen more in peace. So Tolstoy yeah. was also a historical novel. Yeah, Jane Austen yeah. is contemporary. That's true. Yeah, yeah but yeah. War and Peace was a historical yeah, novel yeah. when Tolstoy wrote it. Yeah. So you're introducing them to all of this, but it's also trying to make, in particular, the women's decisions credible mm -hmm. and understandable to the modern reader. Yeah, which is, it can be tough. Like, I find at various points when I've read Austen in my life, yeah. I've understood the women differently. Yes. And I, I think that that 
just I happened to read Sense and Sensibility. Yeah. And I just thought Lucy Steele is living on her wits. Yeah. She's not a bad character. She's just what else could she do? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And, and it's sort of like when I face challenges in my life and realize that I'm enormously privileged to live yes. when I live as yeah. a woman, that I realize the complex difficulty that they yes. had. Yeah. And while there were a lot of Austin seems like it's writing about mm. compliance to the rules it's a lot of reflection on the rules as exactly well. she can be very subversive mm. I mean the people that I think are always misjudged are the Bennett parents yeah because he was a dreadful parent he yes. made no effort at all to provide for his daughters yeah yeah absolutely none if he had put 10% of his income aside mm. every year yeah you know there would have been more than the fifty pounds a year that they were getting through their mother, yeah. or was it a hundred pounds they were getting Something through their mother? Like that, yeah. Something oh, tiny. Yeah. And Jane Austen's father was exactly the yeah. same. The boys were all provided for, but Jane and Cassandra, their money, whatever money they had, came through their mother's dowry mm. and the marriage settlements. While Mrs. Bennett, now she may have been living on her nerves, and can we blame yeah. her? She was very realistic. And it's of the characters had to have fully understood the context. Yes. Even if we as readers don't. Mm. And so the father, Mr. Bennett, knows he's being negligent when yes. he's negligent, you know? Yes. So, so I, obvious, it's obvious to me that you root this in a lot of, like, fact and history. Yes. So where did that passion come from? Have you always been a historian? No, no, but I've always been in the period. I would have to say it actually starts with the old... Now, I did the leaving in 1967. So, you know, the old s- syllabus mm-hmm. that we had, we had an anth- essentially an anthology yeah. for the leaving mm-hmm. of, and it was all different sorts of prose, essays and all the rest, but it was actually very heavily skewed towards the Regency period. Right. You know, and, and before it. So you had Addison, you had Hazlitt, you had Steele, mm-hmm who was early again, you had Charles Lamb, who I absolutely adored. We had Mr. Collins' proposal from Pride and Prejudice. And the way it worked then was that, I can't remember how many sections were in the book or segments, but let us say a hundred. And each year, the syllabus decreed that you would study maybe 15, Mm -hmm. you know, for each two-year cycle, Mm -hmm. because you had, there was a poetry anthology as well. But I was probably one of the few people who read the entire thing cover yeah. to cover. I loved it. I loved the, the writing. Then there was Jane Austen herself, Georgette Hare, who invented the Regency novel genre herself. Okay. And when you read now of the amount of research that she did and how accurate she did, mm-hmm. and when I look at what she managed to do without the internet... yeah. And she was um she used to get ten books at a time out from the London Library, and she had to make notebooks. She didn't have photocopiers yeah. or anything, you know. You've notebooks of hers where she um has copied out and coloured in the fashion plates with the different styles of bonnets. Mm. Say for May eighteen, fourteen or eighteen fifteen. Now I could photocopy those mm. and have them in colour dead easily if I wanted them you know just use my phone even I don't even need a photocopier and then so I found this fascinating and then the more I read the more I realized how well she had created an authentic historical background Mm -hmm. to offer purely fictional stories and then I read The Spanish Bride 
and realise that this is not a fictional story. It's the story of Sahari Smith and the Spanish, his Spanish wife, Juana, that he meets in Spain during the Peninsular Wars. She's under 15, but and she comes after some city has been sacked. She comes to Wellington's camp. It's a noble family. They knew Wellington mm -hmm. ap appealing for his protection. And Harry falls in love with her and they marry out of hand and were, remained a devoted couple for the rest of their lives. So I read that and then she actually gave a bibliography at the back of that. Yeah. And then I discovered in the RDS, my father was a member, and I discovered they actually had his autobiography, which mm -hmm. was published in 1901. And how much of her story was nearly verbatim. Yeah. You know, so all this emotion and everything mm -hmm. was all there as well. And there are so many memoirists and diaries of the Peninsula Wars and that mm -hmm. that have been published. And not only them, but so many others as well, that you can get a real feeling for the day, for the language that they used, yeah. everything. So it's very easy to get into that. But as you see... Yep. <laughs> Lovely. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. Books everywhere. I yeah. love it. Yeah, well, this is my... <laughs> this room now, if you look around, this is, these are all my research books. Yeah. And I actually have to catalogue them so that we went to Great Manor for the book festival at the yeah. weekend that I have to look up and see, when I see a book, do I have that or not already? <laughs> all right. Yeah. That's great. I'm, I'm, I know that my father would be very jealous. Yeah. I know that he would. Yeah. Um, I just want to ask you, how important is it to you to tell women's stories in this historical period? It's important because the Regency period is a lot nearer the 1950s that I grew up in, the 1950s in Ireland that I grew up in, than modern 21st century yeah, uh, Ireland yeah. is. So there is, without wanting to you know, be raising the warning finger, I feel that a lot of my time, it's at the back of my mind to say, well, we've come a long way and we have to be sure we stay there. I think that's important. And there are other societies. I mean, through the glories of Amazon, like my books sell all over the world. Mm -hmm. Now, not in huge numbers, but they do. I must say they're very well reviewed. Yeah. I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and uh, so if I see that somebody in India, as I saw recently, yeah. has bought one of my books, well, that's a different society. Yeah. So maybe I can give a little bit of encouragement mm -hmm. there. I made a decision early on that I was not going to have my heroines rescued. Oh, I love it. Yeah? Yeah. You know, if they get into difficult situations, they have to get out of them mm -hmm. themselves. You know, rather than have them sitting there and waiting for the man, for the hero, yeah. to come yeah. and rescue them, mm -hmm. you know? And I just said, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's... But it still has to be within what I feel are the realities of the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to do Disney Regency. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so, yeah. so there is that. And again, you know, it is important. It, it, it is very important as well, just the way that people were brought mm -hmm. up and that. But as I say, the 1950s here were very, very similar to mm -hmm. it. Especially in the case of what nice girls did and didn't do and what they were allowed. Now, yeah. we may have been allowed to go into town on our own and we were allowed to work and mm -hmm. all the rest of it. But still, I mean, it was a very, very different world. Yeah. Even, yeah. even 
alone the fact that there was no contraception at all. Yeah. No. You know, and as we've uh, sadly discovered lately, you know, in, in recent years, you know, the horrors yeah, that that led no. to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the Magdalene laundries and that, when they started out in Victorian times or even, you know, they were actually supposed to be a good thing. Because before that, these women were literally just sent, you know, on unmarried mothers. They were sent to the bridewell, which was a form nearly of, of, of prison. Mm. And uh, in uh, a suggestion of scandal, I have a meeting of the Dorcas Society. The Dorcas Society, they just started, this is 1814 again, they were just starting. Mm. There were groups of women who would get together and sew clothes for the yeah, poor. Yeah. And this particular society, they are making baby clothes because, for newborns, because if a woman went into the bridewell and gave birth there, nobody provides her with any clothes for the baby. I mean, literally. Yeah. You know? It is just horrific. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, again, I think it is good to be aware that it's not all dancing waltzes and quadrilles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's that, yeah. that real cross-section. Yeah. So, uh, we, we talk about process a lot here. We really yeah. are, you know, writers. And I, I want to ask you, what do you find the most challenging when you're writing? The most challenging? Well, I'm independently published, so the mm -hmm. most challenging really is the marketing. Yeah. Oh, God. You I, know? I'm feeling it. I published my first book this summer. Oh, really? It's yeah. Summer, like. you, know, it's, you know, it's the marketing and the building a brand. Yeah. Now, I was fortunate because I tried the traditional route first. I didn't really think I was being fortunate in this got an agent mm -hmm. but then I was being turned down by um, traditional publishers and they were saying well your books fall between the stools of historical fiction and historical romance mm -hmm. I suppose it is if you like this added gravity maybe you know that I I don't try to add it you know purposefully I'm not yeah, yeah. not it's they're not didactic or anything but yeah. it is the way I see it yeah the way I write um, so by the time I made the decision to self-publish, I actually had a pipeline. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was at the Historical Novel Society Conference in Oxford and talking, uh, listened to Ian Skillahorn of Corazon Books. They mm -hmm. publish, uh, it's an e-book imprint as yeah. well. And he said, an unknown author needs three books, you know, to yeah. develop their brand. Yeah. Now I was I've just put out my third book mm. within twenty four months of the first, yeah. so I'm fortunate that I had this pipeline, mm -hmm. so that I didn't you know. A lot of authors they bring out the first book and only when that has emerged they sit down and start writing the next one. Very guilty of that. Definitely. Yeah. 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 While again at this uh, conference they also did dates with an agent and yeah. things like that. And I overheard two women talking behind me while I was waiting yeah. for one of the um, one of the sessions to start. And one said to the other, she'd had the date with the agent. And do you know what he said to me? He said, and what's your next book about? And I was saying, well, well, let's deal with this book. And he mm -hmm. said, no, no, I have mm -hmm. to know what your next book about is. And yeah. the next one, I mean, you know, that you have... A plan yeah. as well that it's not you're not just going to be a one shot wonder mm -hmm. because 
that the publisher aren't, publishers aren't really interested in that either, unless you are, say, a celebrity, or you have yeah. an absolutely stunning, unique memoir. But yeah, I think it's that, the crossover, like, yeah. they, you build something for the first book that crossovers to the second book, yeah. and that's your build of sales. And it's fine if you're a celebrity, because you're probably crossing, I don't know, like a film career or whatever over into a book. But if you're someone out of nowhere with one yeah. thing, yeah, it, yeah, you're not bringing readers to it. No. Just yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And then, um, I mean, I am not or was not at all a social media patient person. It's a generational thing as well. But, of course, I did say, well, I'm going to have to do this. So I have a website. Mm, and it's very nice. Yes. I think it's very in keeping and in tone. Lovely. Nice <laughs> Thank you. And uh, went, I, I'm then on Facebook as well. Yeah. So, um, and through Facebook in particular, I have made such fantastic yeah. contacts. Because the writer community, by and large, I find very supportive. And I think because writing is solitary. Yeah. It is terrific, you know, that if you're stuck on something yeah. or having a bad day or, you yeah, know, yeah. Or you need a little rant, you yeah. know, that you can get the support. Or if you're wondering, where am I going to find X, Y, Z? Yeah. You know, people are very, very good about jumping in and saying, well, try this or would you try this? Or I would suggest yeah. the other. So, uh, yeah, it's... um. So I've been working hard on building the brand and uh, as well as that. But, you know, fingers crossed now it's starting to come together. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm excited to read your books. I didn't have a chance to read it before, but I am. I'm kind of like, you know, it's a tone that I like, definitely. Good. Because I'm not, I don't mind a bit of romance, but this is not my particular. So a lot of the Regency romance, the contemporary Regency romance are very romancy. Yeah. You know, um. So yeah, like I think you, I could I could see that you're you've this track of people reading your books, which is brilliant. Yeah. And, it's wonderful you know. when people start, you know, when I put up the first, you know, cover review mm. for a suggestion of scandal, in one group, and somebody immediately tagged somebody else, and yeah. that person said, "Yes, can't wait for this." Yeah. that's terrific. <laughs> that's, you know? yeah. that's terrific, but they are relationship based. Yeah. I mean. I think a book that is without any form of relationships, mm. to me, is dull. Yeah. You I, know, they don't have to be romantic relationships. Yeah. But you need relationships within a book. Otherwise, they're too one-dimensional. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I'll tell you about my book off. <laughs> but, yes, I agree. I'm very, I like character-driven books, actually. Yeah. You know, yeah. and... Uh, rather than plot-driven books. And, and I love when, you know, the characters are real and they relate to other people yeah. in real ways and therefore face real challenges and yes. those kind of things. I just can't really deal with when they make very stupid decisions or very, like, things that, yeah, don't keep the context, I think, in mind, you know? Um, or the big misunderstanding. Oh, you just yeah. want to knock Two people just together. talk to each other, then it'll all be solved. <laughs> but there's a lot of movies like that as well. But on the other hand, if you read Agony Ant columns yeah, or yeah. talk to counsellors or anybody, yeah. they will all say it. People, you know, there is this massive lack of communication. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, It's not is. that it doesn't happen. And it's generally not, oh, for argument's sake, I saw you with that woman, you know, no, who no, is she? It's yeah. not that. It's just something small that we have imagined or yeah. built up ourselves. Yeah, and I you know, yeah, I know what you mean. They do happen, but it, I, it, 
and it does happen but I, I think there's a, things that are hard to say and then there are things that are like I think in a real situation those two people would talk to each other you yeah. know um, but or yeah. it can't get divorced yeah, yeah. you know that just, just happened too you know, that just yeah. happened too um, but yeah so I'm, 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 I really do like some historical yeah. um, fiction as well and, yeah. and, I, and I like this uh, this because sometimes historical fiction can be too war based Mm. Well, that's an awful a lot of the context. I think mm. I've read a lot. I've read a lot of war in my time, um, and I I like this you know focus on people and characters through that. So I think that's that's really interesting. But again, like to go back to, well, I mean not only the Regency but the nineteenth century as well. The fact that women couldn't file for divorce, yeah, yeah. you know, puts an additional pressure because a modern woman has the choice of work of walking yeah, away. Yeah. While if a woman in those times walked away, she walked away for everything. She lost her home, she lost her children, yeah. and she may not have got any money at all. Yeah, yeah. she couldn't own anything and anything she, she owned. No, exactly, or anything away. she earned. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no. Mm-hmm. So do you have advice for other writers, even other writers of other writers of historical fiction? Um, and I only started writing. I was a very late bloomer. When it came to writing, I always wanted to write, but I'm not one of those people, I never was, who would get up at five o'clock in the morning and put in two hours before I got the children off to school yeah. and then went to work sort of thing. Yeah. Came home and dealt with teenagers and then yeah. did another. So I only started to write after I took early retirement. Do I regret it? No, because I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah. And I think if I had started earlier I may not have continued or I would be in a different place now but I would say you know do see if you feel the urge see if you can carve out and if you can't you can't yeah or just do small things again things that didn't exist before like like flash flash fiction or blogs Mm -hmm. yeah now I didn't write fiction until I retired but I worked both in the Irish and New Zealand public services mm-hmm. and then when I came back here I worked for farmer solicitors in Dublin. So writing was always part of my job, mm-hmm. writing and drafting and redrafting. Mm-hmm. So I would say I learned my craft in that sense, Yeah, you yeah. know. It doesn't matter what you write, you know, as long as you can write elegantly and clearly. Yeah. And some of the most difficult, I was a director of HR, some of the most difficult things I ever drafted were the seemingly innocuous little emails that you sent to all staff. Yeah. You know, because something has gone wrong or you mm-hmm. want to draw people's attention to somebody and you need to get your message across without offending anybody. Yeah. You know, and that kind of fine balance. You could spend a morning tweaking something. Been there, yeah. But you're right. I think that that's a huge part. I think getting used to drafting and redrafting, yes, is such a crucial part of actually producing fiction. Whether or not you're getting used to that in fiction or not, yes, know? because yeah. I think it can be so hard to sort of you write something and you think, oh God, I have to go back, or someone says you need to change this. Exactly. And being able to take that on board, board in a way, yeah. without kind of going, oh God, it's all awful, you know. Exactly. Exactly. And it's practice. It's it's practice. It's yeah. practice. And you learn then to look at it with a colder eye maybe. 
And again, because I had this pipeline, as I call it, yeah. I can afford to put my books aside for six months. Yeah, yeah. I um, mean, I've just put out a suggestion of scandal now. I have another novel almost ready to go that I haven't looked at for six months. And I have a novella of 30,000 words, which yeah. is also resting. So You're a machine. I'm so <laughs> envious. <laughs> but, um, so that is good as yeah. well. And then you have... You have to be hard on yourself. If you find that you're skipping something or something is boring you, yeah. take it out. If it, your baby bores you, boy, will a boy bore somebody else. <laughs> well, that's a great piece of advice. Yes, yeah. I think that that's yeah. very important as yeah. well. But otherwise, go for it, go you know. And then, of course, you get the wonderful days where... It works. Where it just flows, yeah. you know. And the characters take over and they take you somewhere you never wanted to go. Yeah. You know, but yeah. you just have to go there because your character is like, I finished up and I swore I would never write about the Battle of Waterloo. I finished up at the Battle of Waterloo in the Armour <laughs> of Masks because my hero insisted, for very good reasons, mm -hmm. on going there. Yeah. Yeah, no, so no, I, I have similar similar situations yeah. like that. But it's wonderful. Yeah, it is. It, it is. is wonderful. Yeah. I mean, there is this whole creativity as well and that just flows. Yeah. Yeah. So people can get your books on your website, CatherineColeman.com. No, well they can read about oh, them, yes. but not not order them. They're Amazon. Them. Amazon and they're Amazon. all there. They're all there. Paperback and um and the Kindle and e the the Kindle yeah. the ebook. Now my name. K U double L M A double M two N's at the end mm -hmm. because if you forget one you probably or may not find me. Okay. Okay. So well, we'll put a link on, yeah. on the, the notes for the show to your Terrific. website and to your Amazon page as yeah. well. So Lovely. people can just yes or click. Terrific. <laughs> find it that way. Yeah. Thanks so much for talking to me. Not at all, Mara. It's been an absolute pleasure talking yeah, to you. Hope you enjoy that. You can find more about Catherine on her website, CatherineColeman.com. So that's C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E-K-U-L-L-M-A-N-N.com. We'll be back soon with uh, another Chatty Podcast with Kathy and Kate. In the meantime, you can find more about us on IrishWritersPodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter. I'm on Twitter myself at Maura Bro, and while we're spelling things, I might as well spell my name. So it's M-A-I-R-E-B-R-O. I'll have some links in the show notes to those websites and Catherine's books. You can find it there. And my own book, After the World, is currently available on Amazon. We'll see you again soon. Bye. <music>